1: It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca.
2: Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff.
1: On 95.5 WSB.
3: Now the city starts to awaken Six o'clock, a lot of y'all were still in bed I don't blame you. I was halfway through my first cup of coffee But here we are at seven minutes after eight o'clock And Myra's up on the Facebook page And Steve and John and Christy Bryant Good morning Christy And I think my mom's listening as well And we've had some good calls And we're gonna keep it rolling We're gonna keep it rolling with some great questions and great calls uh, Crepe myrtles, gardenias, figs, poison ivy All kinds of stuff Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty. Up first in the eight o'clock hour, we'll go to Cobb County and talk to Karen in Marietta. Good morning, Karen. Good morning, Ashley. What's going on?
1: I inherited my dad's house recently, and he was ninety years old and independent up until he passed. Mm. But that also means that he wouldn't let us do his yard. So his front yard is absolutely full of nothing but weeds it's beautifully green but it's just weeds it also slopes down from the street and they've always had a problem with everything running off into the backyard so i'm going to build a retaining wall about two-thirds of the way from the street and i'm going to backfill it and i want to do a cottage garden oh fun yeah a lot of work but i think it'll be beautiful but anyway what do I do to wholesale Kill everything In that front yard Knowing that obviously I'll have a lot of dirt on on some of it But near the house I'll have new sod I don't want obviously to use Roundup And this is kind of mm-hmm. continuing with your theme this morning So what do you suggest?
3: You know I'm, I'm really glad you asked the question And I myself did the same thing I have a very similar slope in my yard um, Did a retaining wall Like a not even half circle, not even that that wide, but an arced retaining wall dug right into the slope. Had to bring in some fresh soil and all that. I had pulled juniper out. It was creeping juniper, and I hated it. It had snakes. It had poison ivy. It had little mini oak trees from the acorns that settled down and fell into it. I mean, it just got too much to weed and too scary to tread through and try to keep up. Um, so I ripped all of that out And yeah, I kind of wanted to start over as well Because there were acorns buried for years Oak trees kept coming up and all of that kind of thing uh, Without wanting to just spray Roundup Over the entire area The the non-chemical thing That I can think for you to do, Karen For such a large area There's actually a couple of things uh, Solarization, or solarizing um, I've talked to Clint Waltz about that The turfgrass expert at the University of Georgia It can be effective weed control uh, For Keeping weeds out and burning them out And some of the seeds that are higher to the soil The top layer of uh, soil surface uh, It it can really be effective in killing that So as the name implies, solarizing It's going to get really, really hot So you cover that soil, that entire area With an impermeable plastic You're trapping all of that heat The temperatures get so high underneath that plastic That it's going to kill anything Grass, grass Weed seeds take some time, but this is obviously getting into the best time of year to do that It's going to be unsightly You're going to want to keep that plastic in place for a couple of months So when the sun is hot, temperatures are higher um, That's going to be one of the best ways to literally burn out weeds non-chemically And really staking it down very well Now rhizomes underground, you know, um, of Bermuda grass and zoysia and stuff like that if that is still lingering, solarizing isn't going to be as effective against killing those grass,es Clint said, because uh, they're just going to be in the soil for a long long time. Bermuda is hard to get to go away. Um, another thing though, in addition to solarizing and trying to burn out every little bit of vegetation that's there, is doing a pre-emergence herbicide. And now I'd said non-chemical, but this is good. This is targeted. It's not harmful to other things A pre-emergence herbicide is obviously a herbicide That is going to get to weeds Before they germinate Hence pre-emergence, before they emerge uh, A pre-emergence herbicide is going to get to weeds Again, where the seeds just stay in the soil And wait for the right season To grow into weeds So when we want to apply pre-emergence is twice a year Because once you got to do it uh, to get after cool season weeds, like winter weeds that stay green and bright all winter. And then you want to do it again to prevent summer weeds. So you, it's cyclical. You have to do it twice a year. That way you're targeting cold season weeds and then warm season weeds, which are two totally different things, um, and staying on that path. Whether you, like you said, you're going to put sod, you still want to do pre-emergence for the, for the duration. Um, so we've kind of missed the window of preventing the hot season, the warm season weeds Clint was recommending you do that by mid-March, late February, mid-March because you're, you're getting the granular in the soil and in the ground where it's going to be able to knock back the, the weed seeds as they start to heat up and start to germinate and it prevents a lot of them. And then for the cool season weeds, you want to apply pre-emergence herbicide by September 15th, generally uh, in middle Georgia, northwest Georgia, kind of where we are. That's going to be effective uh, for prevention Doing it at the end of August, early September So that, in addition to solarizing I think is going to get you on a good start That's going to take a season I mean, I understand, you know, we just missed The March application So, you know, stay on track For the one in early September Get that pre-emergence herbicide granular out there And let it work I mean, you, you won't it's going to prevent things So you're, you can't go Oh it didn't work I still have weeds It's not going to be 100% of course But it is going to prevent And annihilate any weeds That would have cropped up In the winter time And then doing it again In March And now getting everything ready For next summer uh, That's a good start Non-chemical No roundup No nothing like that And when you till Or when you kind of mess With the first two or three Or four inches of soil Sometimes you're just Moving stuff around I mean you're killing things That are you know In place with roots But you're also just moving seeds around and jostling them around. They're still in the ground. They're still in the soil. They're still going to sprout, even if you've interrupted them and and disrupted them by moving them around. So that's a great start. And bringing in fresh, fill dirt, you know, trust the landscape company that you're going with to design and build the retaining wall. And, you know, ask questions about where they're sourcing the soil um, to fill that retaining wall as well. And you should be off to a good start that they're not introducing something that is coming in with. A whole new set of problems and a whole new set of weeds So great question, good luck I think that should kind of set you in the right direction And so many good, uh, gosh, Instagram accounts And Facebook pages for inspiration for a cottage garden I mean, there's so many people that I follow I think there's some lady, I want to say she's in Oklahoma uh, That a lady at the doctor's office told me about Maybe Garden Fairy or Gardenary or something And she does a lot of um, kind of cottage inspired I'll have to look up her name Um yeah, Gardenary, yep, she's on Instagram um, A lot of cottage-inspired gardening as well So for for some ideas, you may want to check her out as well I think her name's Nicole um, Thank you, Karen, thanks so much All right, now on to crepe myrtles We've had a couple of calls about crepe myrtles this morning Andy calling from Palmetto Hey, Andy, welcome to the show
2: Thanks What's going on? Um, here's what happened I... Um... Uh, have a friend of mine that had an old nursery in his backyard and he was getting rid of a bunch of things and so I bought about 15 of crape myrtles uh, for a real real cheap price and I I planted them all two years ago well the first year they did real well everything bloomed everything was pretty Um, last year only some of them bloomed um, so I decided that I would, um, trim them back just a little bit mm-hmm. and fertilize them very well. Well, this year when they started coming out, um, started bringing out leaves, the early frost got them, you know, that real hard freeze and mm-hmm. it burned all the leaves. Well, now they're coming out and they're coming out with a fury, but they have leaves all the way from the ground up. Mm-hmm. And I'm, my question is, should I sh- cut all those leaves off the trunk of the of the crepe myrtle? They're about five foot tall, about an inch. Uh, the trunk is about an inch, inch and a half around. It's not real big yet.
3: And when you said you pruned them, like, did you do pretty hard pruning? I mean, you made hard cuts to where a limb was just totally taken away.
2: Well, basically what they were when I got them, they were just... Um, Uh, Like six, seven feet tall Mm. And they were just like a whip Almost, I mean they didn't have any You know, limbs going out So all I did was basically just Crop them off at the top
3: Okay, So yeah, what they're doing uh, To me, Andy, is pretty natural It's just a natural um, Result of the pruning Because once you've removed The parts of the plant that had growth on them and, And this is, you know, totally fine It sends the energy back down to the plant and then it's kind of left at the roots going, okay, well, now where am I going to send energy? So all that energy starts going back up through the trunk. And it's using any opportunity it can to sprout new leaves here, sprout new leaves there. And if left, some of those may become new branches. Some of them may just remain leaf clusters, <clears throat> excuse me, growing um, off the side of the trunk. So if you want to remove them, that's fine. If you don't, that's fine too. If you want the more canopy-looking tall Drapey crepe myrtles I would remove everything up along the trunk But if you don't mind them kind of filling in Almost, I mean that's how a lot of people Turn crepe myrtle trees into shrubs It's just really, really hard pruning To where all that energy is sending out New growth off to the sides And they kind of look more shrub-like So if you want them to fill in at a lower height uh, Leave them, totally leave them, it's up to you But if you want energy sent back up to the top So that it's more tree form Remove everything um, up along the trunk If that makes sense and as far as blooming goes Crepe myrtles, I mean, A, they're hard To kill, yet I managed to accidentally Kill one in my yard um, <laughs> They're hard to kill, they rebound From freeze pretty well Because they grow on new wood They they bloom and they put out leaves and the Flowers and all of that on new wood, so you Cut them back to nothing in the winter time Which you don't have to, but you do, and they're Always going to be forgiving, they're always going to put on New growth, but as far as flowering A lot of people, of course, want those really pretty Clusters of flowers, um, and and. Fertilization isn't necessarily going to help that along. Some years, environmentally, it is just the conditions that we get here in Georgia. Like Walter and I noticed that for 10 years. uh, We would have stages of years, you know, kind of in cyclical patterns where people would be like, none of my crepe myrtles are blooming. So we kind of noticed that was a trend, a pattern, and it was just the weather. System that particular year that not As many were blooming but as long as they You know have regular adequate Rainfall they're in full Sun which they absolutely love they should Thrive fertilizing certainly isn't going To hurt but it's not necessarily going To guarantee for whatever reason on crepe myrtles That we're going to have more flowers so I Hope that answered your question Um, I think they will bloom don't do Much more pruning I mean go ahead and like I said Remove what you don't want to become Uh, A leaf cluster or a new limb So go ahead and remove all of that But all of the new growth at the top Up at the 5 feet, 6 feet level Leave it be and it's going to be just fine for sure So thanks for the call, that was a great question Uh, 404-872-0750 Talking to Fran next about hanging baskets And some things for all of you Considering annuals and perennials in the landscape Next on WSB the Update on the weekend weather brought to you by Finley Roofing today. Mostly cloudy, a stray shower possible in the evening, but a high around 78. And then the chance for scattered showers moves in tomorrow. That rain chance goes up to 60%, a little bit cooler, highs in the mid 60s, and lows around 50. 404 8720750. Up next is Fran calling from Douglasville. Hey, welcome, Fran. Hi, I'm back watching your show, Ashley, and my question is, I
1: have hanging baskets on my front porch with ferns, and um, they're in the pots that they, you know, I purchased them in, and I wanted them to get a lot bigger, and someone had told me that if I just transfer them to a larger
3: coconut-lined line, basket, uh-huh. that that would definitely help. Um, It it could go either way Um, Really the material in the basket I I guess doesn't matter that the basket is lined with Doesn't matter so much as the soil that they're in Um, But when you're talking about that like coconut lining Yeah that's that cocoa hair and it's made from the coconut core like the husk Um, And really those are just made to provide a really good balance between Drainage and water retention So they're best used in hanging Baskets because they may keep moisture In a little bit better you know when Potted stuff is uh, more apt to dry out More quickly than something in the ground So I think that that's a great liner That's what you see most often in the nurseries And for sale when you have to replace The liner Um, the only bad Thing is that of course they deteriorate Over time and those hairs start to Pull away from one another Or you may even have birds Come after them And they start picking off And plucking off the hairs Of the liner Because they're like Ooh, this is good stuff For me to build my nest <laughs> um, So they do just You know, you throw them In the garden Let them decompose Or, or turn them into compost Or something But for m- moisture retention For the ferns I think it's a good idea Yeah
1: All right, love that with my question? Oh, <laughs> yeah
3: Go for it, absolutely Um, And buy one When you go to buy the liners You know, buy one Maybe a little bit bigger Than what you think you need Um, And that way you can cut it back to size For the hanging basket Rather than going too small If you go too small You're going to have a disaster on your hands With uh, soil running out And running over the top When you go to water them And a good indication for me When your hanging ferns are happy The birds visit them a lot I think that's a really good indication That the ferns are happy The birds are visiting them You remember to keep them watered Especially over the hot dry spells Over the summertime And you're well on your way
1: yeah, I usually uh, water them pretty much every other day, late in the afternoon when the sun's gone down and um, fertilize them maybe once a week. Yeah, but, uh, and and the that's... Birds like-
3: See, yep, then they're happy And, and that's a good point too uh, Watering a little bit later in the day You don't want to water them in the middle of the day Because you're going to have a lot of evaporation Just watering at the soil level, not overhead But watering at the base of the plant At the soil level um, Later in the evening for a hanging basket's fine A lot of that water is going to drain out So good, good, very good, Fran I'm jealous, I wish I could have A spot for hanging ferns in my house. They're so beautiful. Uh, We'll get back to more calls in the last half hour of Green and Growing. It's a beautiful Saturday here on 95.5 WSB.
1: Growing with Ashley Frasca
2: Plants, flowers, trees and stuff
1: On 95.5 WSB
3: Alright, it's going fast today But we're having a good time I think that's a good sign And then Dave Baker literally comes And kicks me out at approximately 8.58 So he can make way for the Home Fix It show Which is 9 to noon You can come see me in Ackworth today Beginning at noon uh, More information if you google Ackworth blooms That's going to be A nice afternoon and a fun time for that And while I'm talking, I'm trying to look up something at the same time I'm not multitasking very well um, And wanting to take more of your calls Because that is what makes the show what it is And we learn from each other And I certainly learn a ton from all of you So let's do it 404-872-0750 We're going to talk to Susan in Marietta Hey Susan, good morning
1: Good morning, Ashley One quick question I have lots of hydrangeas Uh, Some of them are having beautiful dead sticks from about three to five feet tall. Underneath is beautiful green, anywhere from 18 to two feet. Should I go ahead? But I have checked the dead sticks. They're not completely dead. When I take a knife, scratch those, it's green. You can tell they're not dead. But they look awful. Okay. Will it hurt if I go ahead and cut those completely back?
3: Um, it won't. So I'm thinking you've got a mophead hydrangea, right? You've got the one that blooms earlier yes. in the summer, the big ball-like blue or yes. pink. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, most So of them. Okay, yeah. You certainly can. Um, I'm one that doesn't prune them. I know they look skeletal, kind of leaving all those bare limbs that are tall and just... And of course it's good to have that new green growth at the base That's exactly how it's supposed to look But mophead hydrangeas, they bloom on old wood So if you cut all of those limbs out um, And all the way down to the ground You're going to have fewer blooms um, But you will still get some, just a lot fewer And then the new growth now that you're seeing at the base That's not necessarily going to bloom this year That takes this season to get established And then that will hold blooms for next year So it's kind of in a repeating pattern Alternating pattern Um, So that is the precaution that I would warn you Against cutting all those limbs and sticks down to the base Okay,
1: I've had this for years But they've never looked this bad I just was wondering if it's because of the terrible winter. Yeah, a lot of it
3: is normal, but yeah, a lot of it was. It's just exacerbated by the fact that everything was defoliated a lot more quickly and more slow to put on new growth because of that freeze at Christmas time. So yeah, it does look a little more unsightly than we're used to it looking. So um, as long as you're, you know, okay with that and losing some blooms, be selective maybe in the limbs that you remove, you know, maybe leave some of them um, but the ones that still are hanging on to the old bloom or some dead leaves or whatever, take those limbs out completely. Okay, good. Thank you so much. You are Appreciate welcome. It. Yeah, of course. Great question. And I actually have uh, Michael on Facebook who sent me the very same thing. I have this hydrangea. All the buds got hit hard with the late freeze. Can I trim the dead-looking branches or should I just leave them? So the macrophylla, the mophead hydrangea, again, that is one that blooms on old wood. So this season's growth, the new stuff that we see now, is not what is going to produce the flowers that we're going to see in a couple of months. So that's why you want to leave some of the old stuff. But panicle hydrangeas, paniculata, um, the ones that are more of like a grape bunch shape or a cone shape, um, those bloom on new wood. So every year I cut mine all the way back, branches and all, and just leave the trunks and they are going to bloom after the mop heads So the mop heads, the big puffy blue ones Will look great around June And then the uh, paniculata The panicle type, they bloom later A lot of times those are white Pink, that kind of thing um, So that's the difference really The two major classifications of hydrangeas And how you know when to prune them And then of course we have lace cap And we have oak leaf And all of that kinds of thing uh, And like the oak leaf ones That literally have oak looking leaves And they turn really pretty colors uh, in the fall That's kind of how you can have an indication that you have an oak leaf hydrangea Those I would not prune at all because they're happy in shaded areas They're known to be kind of in more wooded areas Um, And those don't need any pruning unless they're just in a place in your landscape Where you, you know, happen to keep uh, having a problem with them So, uh, okay, up to Forsyth County we go Talk to Jim Incoming Hey Jim, good morning, welcome to the show Hey, Ashley.
0: Thanks for having me on. Um, I have a question about my azaleas. I have some front yard azaleas that did not bloom this year. And my backyard azaleas did. Mm -hmm. Um, I've never cut them back. I've never pruned them in the front. So I'm not sure why they didn't bloom. They look healthy.
3: Um, yeah, that was my first question Because a lot of times if they don't prune Or if they don't bloom uh, That means we cut them at the wrong time But you, you didn't prune them last year at all, like nothing
0: Not at all okay. And they look really healthy And they're under trees with a morning sun for about half the day so, they look like they've grown a ton. They look great. They just did not bloom.
3: Yeah. So, I'm going to chalk that up to the freeze. Um, I'm going to definitely okay. chalk that up to the freeze. And the ones in the back were maybe just a little more protected. You know, I mean, you could very well have two, like a microclimate almost to where the backyard, you know, whether the wind exposure, or the sun exposure, or whatever was just so that those were a little more protected, whereas the ones in the front were a little more vulnerable. Um, <laughs> and so, any buds that they had put on throughout last year, throughout last summer, and throughout last fall, those. Uh, those azaleas were working on putting on those buds to open for you this spring. They just got nipped then. So nothing you need to do. Um, if they look healthy and they look fine, leave them. But if you want to okay. prune them now's the time because this it would be the point when they're done blooming, you know, and we, you know we watch the masters and all of that in Augusta and we know right. the azaleas are coming to Coming to an end and they're starting to aspire the blooms a little bit So if you needed to do any pruning, now's the time to do it And you can actually go ahead and fertilize as well um, And that'll help okay. the bud set And that's going to start real soon I mean, they will start to set buds real soon here in June or July And that's going to help invigorate those a little bit To where they'll maybe produce a little bit better for you next spring
0: Okay, I think they're encores So if I go ahead and prune oh. them now, do you you think they'll? I can't remember if I planted Encore there or not. I put things everywhere. But will they possibly bloom back in the summer if I yeah. go ahead and cut them back now? Yeah,
3: very possibly. Yeah, Encore okay. um, and Endless Summer hydrangeas, same type thing. Where these plants have been bred now to give us multiple blooms. So yeah, and still do the fertilizer too. If they're Encores, especially, they're going to want a feeding to be able to bloom. You know, later in the year.
0: Awesome! I'll do it all. Thank you so cool. much. Cool.
3: Yeah. No. Thank you. Great question. I I just feel like such a. Uh, I don't know, I feel like I'm, I'm taking the easy way out A lot of times when I tell you guys, oh, it's the freeze But the more I've learned about that biologically And you know what it causes the plant to do And going through these Master Gardener classes like Once you understand the, the biology of the plant It really makes a lot of sense And still, months later, we're seeing the results of that And it was just having to really be patient And see what withstood the test of the cold And, and what didn't And fortunately for a lot of us in Metro Atlanta uh, we were, you know, the the plant may have appeared dead above ground But the roots were not uh, killed So if the roots are still alive, that plant's going to put off new growth Hopefully by now, and if not, shortly, as long as the roots are still alive uh, Okay, next we will talk to Diane in Houston Hey, Diane, good morning Good morning, thanks for taking my call I have a sugar maple in my front yard that's probably about 12 years
1: old And um, it's not doing... it. It's blooming well, but part of it is dying. I had two different uh, tree companies come out and take a look at it. One said it should be removed completely. Hmm. The other is recommending three different treatments and ongoing treatments for it. did say that there is an infestation of the ambrosia
3: beetle. Oh, gosh. Okay, well, that right there. Um, wow. So the one that said take it out completely um, yeah. is probably more along the right track, but... With the ambrosia beetle That, oh my gosh, that, that's that been really, really bad For crepe myrtles, for figs this year um, And maples are not exempt Any thin bark tree, dogwoods, cherries So if they saw the signs Of the the bores, the little holes Made by the ambrosia beetle Boring into the trunk And you've seen little hair-like, toothpick Sawdust, weird protrusions Coming out from the trunk Then 100% that is ambrosia beetle um, So the only Hope for Saving the tree sometimes is doing Drastic drastic cutting To the parts of the tree Where the borer was known to be Um, But she bores in laser Eggs and all of that they tunnel throughout The inside of the trunk which is just ruining The tissue and so that will Eventually become completely dead wood I mean not immediately but over the Course of the next year or whatever it's Uh, going to be a slow Decline
1: the borers are probably Maybe two to three feet up the trunk So I think that's. I mean if yeah, to me it sounds like I guess I need to have it removed.
3: I think so too, because if you cut all the way back to where the you know where the the last of the boring is, and yeah, all that leaves you is two to three feet of a of a maple. It's going to take so long to grow back if it even does. It's not going to be formed properly. Um, and don't worry about. You know like oh gosh what's going to be left in the soil Is there some disease or virus now Like no not at all Once you remove the tree the ambrosia beetle is removed with it And the tree company will know how to properly uh, Discard that They need to dis- dispose of it by burning it and-, and getting all of that But ambrosia beetles is nothing you did wrong They just um Really are going to be out in full force this year More so than we may have seen them in years past Because of that winter freeze The freeze that we had at Christmas A couple of freezes that we had in Metro Atlanta Around March, I remember one specifically was around March 22nd um, Really made, it weakened a lot of trees And it stressed them out And when they are stressed They send out chemical signals That these bugs pick up on And as seriously, I mean, they're telling their buddies, these ambrosia beetles, like, hey, this tree's stressed out, it's got weak bark, we're going to bore in there and make a nice little home. So that is why, that Christmas freeze is a very good reason why we're having more ambrosia beetle damage um, on trees this year than, again, like like I said, we've seen in years past. So a lot of these garden things are cyclical and it helps for us to talk it out um, because what you're seeing is what someone in... Gwinnett is seeing and what someone in Ackworth Is seeing so um, I'm glad you did Have the professional opinions of them And if they both could at least agree that it was A borer um, then that is I mean there's nothing once she's in the trunk there's no Chemical you can apply that's going to Undo the damage that she's done by Tunneling in it uh, but for anybody that I Have just put the fear of God in them now like I don't want a ambrosia beetle I love my crepe myrtle Or I love my fig um, A lot of certified arborists I talk to Christy Bryant a lot and others recommend like a barrier spray as a preventative That's really the best course of action you have Like in March, before the life cycle of the ambrosia beetle begins um, Back in March to apply a barrier spray around trees that are susceptible And it's taken up through the roots, it's systemic, it goes all the way And it really kind of creates a barrier Like when the beetle goes to bore into the tree They're like, eh, nope, this, this tree has this treatment I'm, I'm not going to bother this um, But now, unfortunately, you know, we, we didn't prevent what we didn't know Um, So once you have the signs of it It's just taking it out, removing the wood from the site Do not let the tree company or anybody Leave any of that wood on your property Have them take it away Wow, Diane, oh that bums me out I'm really sorry, I don't have better advice But yep, they. as soon as you said it was ambrosia beetle That's not not anything that the sugar maple did on purpose That was just a very unfortunate environmental effect of the freeze Uh, We'll try to get to a few more calls before the end of the show Next on WSB, stay tuned well, it just put a smile on my face that everybody is listening to Green and Growing this morning. Hey there, Scott Slade. Hey there, Joe Lample. Good morning, guys, and everybody else. Christy Bryant, Mickey Gasway. Oh my goodness, so good to hear from everybody during the show. Um, I'm all over the Facebook page. You gotta like and follow the Facebook page, Green and Growing WSB. I oftentimes answer questions when I'm off the air, type up an answer or response. Uh, post pictures, things like that And then of course you can always call We're running out of time though So uh, we'll get with Richard in just a moment But first, the weekend weather update Brought to you by Finley Roofing Mostly cloudy today, a stray shower later But for the afternoon it'll be nice A high of 78 and then a 60% chance For most of us, scattered showers tomorrow High of 64 and low of 50
0: Green Green and growing Ashley Fresca's top three things to do this weekend
3: I prepare these every Saturday just for you Seasonal things to go ahead and get done Number one, people are still starting their summer vegetable gardens And that's great, that's okay Just remember, add some good compost to clean fresh soil Fertilizer can be applied according to the recommended amounts Really any fertilizer you want There's fish emulsion, there's kelp, there's the stuff in the bag All of it's okay, just right at the at the correct rate Um, And you don't have to fertilize the seeds You put the seeds in the ground, let them germinate Keep them watered, that's so important Once that germination process starts They can't be left to dry out, so Keep an eye on the garden. We're going to get some rain Tomorrow. Uh, when you're pl- planting tomato Plants, if they're starting to look kind of Leggy and stemmy from the nursery When you put those in the ground, bury them In soil all the way up to the bottom set of Leaves and that just helps for a more Vigorous, taller, thick root system Number two, be on the lookout For snakes in leaf piles and mulch Stomp around, make as much noise as you Can to scare those guys away Bunnies are burrowing in the lawns And garden beds and nests that are In trees and shrubs that you may intend to prune a Cut back. You may want to wait. And number three, uh, in uh, check your nest boxes to uh, see if baby birds have fledged yet. Remove the old nests in between families, and be able to clean that area out a little bit. Ivory soap can work in nest boxes if you kind of rub it on the top of the nest box, keeping wasps away, and you know they will deter birds from building in the nest. But then close up the box and ready for a new couple to move in. Love watching the birds this time of year, especially the bluebirds. If you've got those houses put up properly, like Jim Bearden was saying earlier in the show, six feet up off the ground, whether they're on a pole or or nailed to a structure and you've also got them eastern facing the bluebirds are going to love that. All right, we've got just enough time, Richard, if you can make it quick calling from Marietta. Good morning.
0: Good morning. How are you? Great. I've got a bunch of English ivy growing up my trees mm-hmm. and it's been there since I owned the house. And for this for this year this is the first time a lot of the leaves are falling down when we've had the winds and everything. My yard is and driveway are just covered with Dead ivy leaves, and I'm just wondering, is there something going? Is the ivy diseased?
3: I don't necessarily think so. I I don't even think a nuclear bomb would get rid of the English ivy the way we want it to. And it's certainly not good to be left for a long, long time growing up your trees. I know you said it's been there for a long time, but it could just be getting too thick. Um, And ultimately, that's not good for the tree because it's smothering out the bark and things like that. But if the English ivy is just growing too dense and too thick. I think it's shading itself out, and that's why it's dropping a lot of leaves. So as soon as you can get to the base of those trees and start cutting that English ivy back at least two feet high, from the bottom from the ground up about two feet, remove as much English ivy from around the tree as you can, leave a two-foot barrier there, and over time it'll start to die up the tree because you've cut off you know the resources for water and food and all of that, and then it keeps it away from the base to... You know, smother out some other things. So, we don't want the English ivy on trees. We certainly don't. Um, I hear something else in my headset. But yeah, so we've got 30 seconds left in the show. Really appreciate the question, Richard. Don't plan English ivy if it's not already there. Thanks to everybody who called, who checked in. You can certainly find the top three things to do in the landscape this weekend if you missed it on the Facebook page. And I'll continue the conversation with you there. Search Green and Growing WSB. Have a great weekend.